we're going to ground ourselves in whatever surrounding you are, just accept the noises just as they are. See if you can focus in on your heart center and feel its warmth as we connect with each other, plugging into our own community's oversoul, that gestalt that holds us all together, but that we have created. And we thank the one infinite creator calling us all together, for allowing us, giving us the grace to say yes, to be here tonight together. As we explore new ways to cultivate healthy spirituality, ways to grow, to know ourselves and to accept ourselves and others and forgive ourselves and others and find balance and open ourselves more to love. We ask that you bless, we bless all the world right now. Pretend that building forth is kind of like a nodal point in a giant matrix that surrounds the earth. And, and that from that nodal point, our love, green ray love, flows out covers the whole matrix of the earth, energy points, blessing the earth and thanking the beings that are here also with us to help bless the earth. And we do this in the name of holiness, wholeness, and love. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Doug. <clears throat> Hi, everybody. So I really hey. just thought we could have a conversation about practices that we love. And then we have the whiteboard if we want to use it as a tool. We want to grow any ideas, but let's just see what comes up. Um, sound good? Perfect. Okay, so my most best practice because I am a total nine. So I just don't live in my body ever. And I have to remember to do that. And it's really hard for me. Because sometimes I am like, not even in reality. And I do that a lot. I'll daydream just a lot. So I need to bring myself back into the present moment. So I call it my presence practice. And I have little triggers that I've, since I took Cynthia Bergeau's wisdom school, I've they've kind of developed and now they're just kind of natural triggers. And when they happen, I stop and I breathe and I'm, I get my, it changes, but usually I say I am here. So doing dishes is a big one. And so I do that in the morning, every morning. And so that is my reminder every morning, you're going to do this practice all day. And so then I remember to do it at my other triggers and it remember, it reminds me to be present and remember that I'm like participating in a world that's doing stuff and it's really helpful. That's it. Does anybody else have one they want to share or anything similar that they use? 
I think I have something, uh, I don't know if it's similar, but I, I really resonated with the nine thing. I also don't feel like I'm in my body very often. I live in a fantasy world. So it's, it's really interesting you said that because um, a few weeks ago, I think I talked to you guys about how I had uh, like had this little epiphany about, you know, asking for your soul's purpose, your soul purpose. And so I have started to incorporate that into my, like my nightly routine. Like usually before bed, like this is one of my favorite times of the day. Like it's time to like decompress and like, you know, right before you fall asleep, you, you know, just like daydream or whatever. Um, like a lot of times I'll like have little fun, like daydream fantasies, like of, you know, just to like get out of my body. But uh, I have started asking, you know, my higher self or for my soul's purpose, like making a point of doing that every single night before I go to bed. And I don't know if it's doing anything yet, but I like it. Um, and actually I do, I do think it is doing something. I, uh, I have this thing where I see the number 222 a lot and I've kind of taken it to be like my indicator that I'm like on the right path and uh, I've been seeing it a lot. I don't know. I just that like that number for me has always been significant like and to, and to just like not be looking for it and then to see it is really, you know, it just impacts me and so I feel like I'm on the right path and so I don't know. I think it's a good little soul practice for me right now. Yeah, that resonates. I do the daydream fantasy thing to help myself fall asleep too. I usually build my, you know, that TV show alone. I usually yeah. build my alone house to put myself to sleep. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I have crazy, I have little fun fantasies. Like what if I knew this famous person? Like what if we were friends? How would that go? <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah, exactly. So boring, it puts us to sleep. Anna, how like, does... Oh, go ahead, Noah. I was going to say, I wonder if there's real life things we could be studying that could help us get better at these kind of things we're trying to remind ourselves of, like a book we could read or something. Well, I was going to ask Anna, uh, do you... How does it... How do you are helped to be in the daily life, in your daily life, to be able to be mindful of spirituality? Or is that something that is always kind of there or is that something that you're working towards? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I probably should be more mindful during the day, but I have a, I think I've mentioned before, I have a lot of downtime at my job. So a lot of most days I'll look at Jim's Camelot journal and read his entry for the day or uh, look up the random channelings. I follow LNL research on Twitter uh, and they always have really good quotes on there. So I guess it, I guess I could make it more intentional, but I do find myself like when I'm, you know, bored or I find a free moment, I'm usually looking at something like that is, is spiritual just because right now and for the past few years, I've been very intrigued by it and wanted to learn more about it, but I could make it more intentional. I guess if I would love to hear anybody else's tips. I could share some variants for falling asleep practices. One that I do is that's when I will usually do my gratitude practice. And instead of counting sheep, I will um, 
just start thinking of all the things to be grateful for. So that I mean, that's when I usually will do that practice. And the other one I do sometimes is kind of the opposite. It's like I'll do my stillness meditation with permission to go to sleep. Um, and sometimes I get mileage mileage out of that. I've definitely done a, a like a sleep meditation, not sleep meditation, but done this, a similar thing where, you know, I'm like, I'm going to meditate now. And if I fall asleep, I fall asleep. <laughs> I like Who else? I use a gratitude practice too. That's a really important one, actually. I did it online with a friend for years. Every day we did it every day for years and it became very just, I just can't not do it every morning. You know, I don't even have to think about it and I'm doing it as I'm like feeding my dogs, you know? That sounds so powerful. Mm, it was awesome. I got lucky. So you guys would connect over the phone or on Zoom or something every just on every day? On what? Gmail or texting each other, one oh, way or the other. Sending gratitudes back and forth. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. We do have a gratitude channel in Slack. Um, so I'm going to try to start using that more, but I always feel good about putting that on there. And it's nice to read other people's gratitudes. Yeah, it is. Who I'll else? A completely different one. Yeah, go. Um, pretty quick. Um, I consider going to ecstatic dance part of my spiritual practice. If any of you have ever done ecstatic dance before, um, yeah, Amy, um, I don't go every week, but maybe every other week or every third week I'll go. And the idea is it's kind of a meditation, just get my mind out of the way, let my body move the way it wants to move. And sometimes, and emotions <laughs> inevitably come up. Sometimes it's sadness. Sometimes it's anger. Sometimes it's just joy. Um, but it, um, yeah, I really do think of it as part of my spiritual practice. I'm curious in what way. It moves a lot of energy. Um, and like mm -hmm. I said, emotions come up and it's a bit of a, it's, um, there is value. I'm going to put my, Peter on do not disturb. Um, it's, I feel like it's productive to practice letting my body move the way it wants to move and not being self-conscious, not performing, not trying to be posture myself, but how free can I just let my body move the way it wants to move and start to trust, you know, trust it. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to add just because I can't help it in dance, but, um, I feel like, um, <laughs> there's like, you know, this tiny, the tiny, god that is in you like in every tiny cell you know that's like spoken about and, and and there's a way that that is also the same as prayer where you're like listening to that one and um because you're letting it, everything just move how and you know you're also kind of just like 
um, you realize that you're a part of a bigger thing and you're just like moving, you're allowing something to come through you. You're like in a flow state. So these are all things that make it a spiritual experience to me too. Um, and you can do it in your own living room too, if you want. I mean, like, you know, he's going to a static dance and it's great. Just like meditation is great with other people, but, um, it's also possible. I mean, you know, sometimes they also give you directions. Like there's like a five rhythms kind of, um, ecstatic dance practice and they talk about these different like archetypal kind of rhythms i mean they're they're basically archetypes um but it kind of gives you a concept of um moving your body in these different types of ways and that may be helpful and i'm kind of saying that in case anybody wants to look that up but it's also just like just go ahead in your own living room and um when noah was saying that she also has trouble like getting in her body i mean sometimes that just does it you just don't there's like you know you don't have to I don't know if you just can dance and, and, or just like move. It doesn't, I think the word dance might freak people out too. Actually. I think that people think it has to happen a certain way or that they don't like to dance or they feel self-conscious when they dance or they have bad experiences. <laughs> it like doesn't need to look like anything. It's just like free form movement. So I have a teacher that just calls it authentic movement. Mm. Um, so just authentic movement for a moment to use set some time and you just like move authentically. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, that was that was great. Thanks. An add to the add, ecstatic dance is like the, the the rules are usually no talking, and almost everyone's dancing by themselves, so you don't have to really be concerned about if you're a guy finding someone to dance with, or if you're you know a woman, someone dancing with you, and you really don't want to dance with them. It's like so you're dancing by yourself almost all the time. And there's no rules at all, really. You just let your body move the way it wants to move. And um, usually there's like a uh, a wave, like it starts out kind of meditative, the music starts out kind of meditative. And then the, in the middle, it's usually kind of tribal and really kind of, kind of pumping. And then it gets back to more meditative on the end. That that's awesome. really interesting that's totally a spiritual practice i see it now <clears throat> did i say no talking i may have forgotten mm -hmm. that rule okay yeah no talking and i love i love thinking about it as authentic movement because also i have a question if you've done a solo one like when you're just alone and you've done one in a group i wonder if there's an like energy difference because you know when we're with a whole bunch of people that we're like connected to I don't know. I wonder. Anyway, my experience is different, but it also is like relative to how willing I am to let go with those other people. So it actually gives me a lot of like feedback on me too, or like where I'm at at the moment or whatever. But it is actually if if, if you are able to let go to that place, it is amplified um, certainly by the fact that there are other people too can be. Interesting. There's a, a wealth of programs on YouTube. I just searched under a static dance that one could uh, listen to. I want to do that. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I'm not drawn to the music that is played at ecstatic dance or like it's not what I'm into. And that's kind of when I resort to my own like in-house dance parties. And I just like think about it as authentic movement. <laughs> and also a lot of times I don't use no music. I, you know, it's just outside with some it's more like tai chi you know where i'm just like moving because the wind is moving and i'm liking that and i just you know whatever 
before. I'll uh, say a quick thing about because I don't. Yeah, when I do it with other people, you you feed off each other's energy, and I think part of the practice sometimes can be is like if I'm in kind of a bad mood and other people are dancing or doing stuff that gets under my skin, anger comes up, and that's part of and just incorporate that right into the practice. Okay, anger's coming up. You know, anger, anger. Mm -hmm. Interesting. What about anybody else? Any <clears throat> awesome practices to share? I know you have some, Doug. Like, what's your most favorite one? What's the one that you just, <clears throat> it's the one you would take to your desert island? <laughs> you could only take one. Well, <clears throat> my prayer has changed so i'm gonna describe it in a way that um just a little bit of the process but there there was a lot most of my life there was kind of an i thou prayer kind of way where it's me in this sense of god and i'm praying to god and having a dialogue um and i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think that's perfectly fine i still do that uh, just because you aren't, just because, you know, you are that doesn't mean we can't relate to that in a sense, you know, both are true. But um, I started to practice centering prayer back in 2013. And centering prayer is a, is a wonderful way to bypass the rational mind or any thinking at all. And it's really um, a boot camp for learning how to let go of a thought and then return to center. Yeah. So the idea that success is not defined by how much you remain with no thought, the success is defined as how often and how well we can detach from the thoughts that come. And you really develop that skill to come back to center. And just knowing that the spaces in between thoughts is a silence that is um it's all god but that would be the transcendent kind of reality of god at the higher levels and there's something that happens between this pregnant silence and our soul and there's some kind of communication directly into the unconscious that is profound i i can't describe it in words it's an experience but what ends up happening for me then is a lot of things get opened up um, where I start to realize unitive consciousness and this sense of unitive consciousness is that there's no longer an I thou, but it's, there's only an I and there's different hierarchies of eyes inside one great, um, way to see the world. And so for me, um, what I do when I wake up in the morning is I, I always feel that I am the infinite creator having a Doug experience, if you will. Um, and at the same time, I know that I am Doug, third density being who wants to do the creator's will. So it's this strange reality of not one, not two, but both one and two is the reality that is unit of consciousness. And um, so when I wake up in the morning, I sit up and I put my hands out like this because I, I, physical gestures are important. And I say, I give my all, 
my whole being, all that I have, all that I will be, all of my life, my love, I give it all to you to do your will today and help me to serve you and not my will, but your will be done. That, that would be something that I say. And I feel like that orients me to then connect with the inner dwelling presence of the one infinite creator in everything, whether that's a person or an event, dishes, watching a movie. <laughs> um, and then when, when I'm with my clients, it's always for me, it's a very real, it, it's a prayer too. It's like I cease to pray and I become the prayer. And so that when I'm dialoguing with my clients, for example, it's, it's one self that has two interfaces. And I, I just feel like I'm talking to the self. <laughs> and so Doug is talking to client, but it's one self here. And, and so it's a unitive experience. But what got me there and what keeps me there is my constant will to will my life and my work into the one infinite creator's will to sort of steward whole making steward um, connection. And then my faith is that my desire to unify my will does something. Like I have the faith that the fact that I want it to happen in fact, lets it happen. That's my faith. So um, then whatever I do, I always feel like it is not an action, but it's actually the prayer through my actions. So anyways, that's, that's, that's my baseline. And then if I'm reading something or writing something or listening to something or anything like that, it just adds to the delight, if you will, of the one infinite creator knowing itself through whatever it is. So I'll feel like, wow, that was really well said by Cynthia Bourgeau. Thank you, God, speaking through Cynthia Bourgeau. And I, as God, resonate with that <laughs> and learn from that. And I want to give that to others because there's only one self here, you know, so that that's an orientation. And then all the different practices fit into that. Does that make any sense? Yes. It's also very cool that you've <clears throat> kind of developed this very personalized prayer over <clears throat> however many years you've taken to develop it. That's really neat. I like broadly, I like the idea of immediately waking up and having a gesture and setting an intention. That's such a, that's a powerful practice just generally. I love it. And it's, yeah, thanks. And I'll just say one more thing that um, and I'm developing this now, so I'll be talking about it at some point here, a uh, different session. But the, the way that I understand myself as the one infinite creator, connecting with other selves that are also the one infinite creator, is that it is all a broadening of our heart mind, all either individually, like my own personal nose or heart mind, and then the global heart mind. It's always an expansion. So that word in Greek is metanoia. And so when I, I actually try to practice metanoiaism, that's what I call it. And I am always thinking of three things. And that is, how, do, how can I enter into solidarity with someone so that they know that I'm walking with them? 
How can I cultivate hope in their lives? Even if it's one step towards something more hopeful than they had before they had that encounter with me. Um, and then lastly, the third step is to surrender to process that everything is a process, including my life, your life, and the one infinite creator is on, is a process because it's the process of all of creation as being the very evolution of the one infinite creator. So that's a process too. So cults enter into solidarity, cultivate hope and surrender to process. Those are, those are my constant prayers that I try to embody every day. Thanks, Doug. Troy, did you unmute? <clears throat> um, yes, I had I had a great wisdom, and but I need to share the screen. Can you give me the screen to share? Um, there you go. Okay. <laughs> Aren't those clouds beautiful? They look like big balls of cotton. I could lie here all day and watch them drift by. If you use your imagination, you can see lots of things in the cloud formations. What do you think you see, Lyles? Well, those clouds up there look to me like the map of the British Honduras of the Caribbean. That cloud up there looks a little like the profile of Thomas Eakins, the famous painter and sculptor. And that group of clouds over there gives me the impression of the, of the stoning of Stephen. I can see the Apostle Paul standing there to cry. <laughs> uh-huh. That's very good. What do you see, Charlie Brown? Well, I was going to say I saw a donkey and a horsey. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I feel. I'm I'm Charlie Brown. <laughs> Doug is Schroeder. <laughs> that's so, greatness. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't realize I was unmuted and laughing my throat. <laughs> I mean, that's just a really good topic in general. I wonder if, <clears throat> I wonder if we have, if like unintentionally we're doing practices that are reminding us that we're really just the same as everybody, you know? I feel like I am kind of doing that. <clears throat> I found since I've really started studying unit of consciousness that I have a much easier time just getting along with everybody too. I can make friends with anybody. It's so easy now, right? <clears throat> anyway, that's a side topic. Does anybody have a practice they'd like to share? Barbara, you had your hand up. I, I, I do. I, uh, as I'm listening to everybody else talk, I tend to um, greet my morning and my just before bed the same way in that I wake up in the morning <coughs> and I start with a few breaths. And then I will pray, I do a prayer. And it's interesting, Doug, that you were talking about holding your hands because I recently just started doing that. All of a sudden that just started happening, but more, more in terms of blessings and gratitude for me. 
Um, I do the same thing at night, just as I'm lying, but in this case, I'll be lying still in bed and breathing a prayer and then gratitude, because um, typically at night would be when this particular energy would come, this very uncomfortable would come to visit and flow through my body. And that hasn't been happening. I find it interesting because I, I re, re, recall where I was working full time, and, and now that I'm not, um, I don't know how I would have incorporated, uh, you know, my little in the morning, I read Jesus Calling and Jesus Listens, uh, you know, taking an hour walk, uh, doing stretches, you know, for my body, and maybe some yoga poses. and. Picking up a good book, the last book I read was uh, Thriving Babylon, which was very good, or reading like the Camelot Journal or Richard Rohr's meditations um, that come out every day. And more recently for me, um, because of my relationship with my body, um, <laughs> um, as I grow to be more aware of the relationship there, I recently made a lifestyle change about how I feel my body. And, and um, it's made a huge difference um, to my life. Um, so just it's just sort of a day-by-day -day journey. Um, and I think it, it's very different from when I was working to where, when I'm not working um, as to how much stuff that I can bring in every day. But there are some set things that I do every day, and that is my waking and going to sleep practice, which um, is um, kind of just sets the day and sets the night as I fall into sleep for me. Sensing a theme here. What I love what you're saying there, Barbara, is how really embodied your spirituality has become, you know, I mean, you talk about the walking and the yoga and then something about some kind of meditation you're doing that has, is allowing you to, um, be okay in your body. Uh, mm -hmm. that is, that's just it. That's, that's as good as it gets right there. Uh, yeah. Huge shift from a couple of years ago, even. One thing I've, uh, I've heard that I really like to do and that is very like spiritual for me is hiking. And I haven't done it all winter, but I'm kind of excited to get back into it. There's like a little two mile loop really, really close to my house. It's gorgeous and I love going there. Uh, and you guys are inspiring me to like do a morning practice now along with my nightly routine. <laughs> There's a morning practice that I've done for, I think, decades. Um, I don't even remember when I started it, but um, it's just kind of a commitment, a prayer of commitment. So I would um, commit my mind to be expanded, and I usually will think about that for a little bit, you know, like, what, what does my day include where my mind could be expanded? And then I move to my, I, I commit my heart to be healed. And I just kind of let whatever bubbles up from that. And then I commit my um, soul to be transformed. And I started doing these movements 
uh, after a while, not realizing it. So I was committing my mind to be my mind to be uh, expanded, my heart to be healed, and my soul to be transformed. And darn it, if I didn't realize, I was crossing myself. <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a I was raised a Baptist girl. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that was that's something that's just kind of really ingrained in me. And Anna, I think you're the one that mentioned something about numbers. Um, this start, I don't even know how it started, but um, a couple of years ago, it seemed like I was noticing uh, when I would look at a digital clock, it was often uh, like 222 or 111 <laughs> or um, 444, you know, or sometimes 1111. Um, anyway, those numbers seem to show up a lot. And, and I just really kind of felt like there was something I needed to do with that. So I started any, anytime I would see that, I would take that as a reminder um, to pray for someone. And it would be just whoever came to mind, you know, it wasn't necessarily any kind of um, organize, organized list or anything, but um, just whoever came to mind. And often I'll find out later that something was happening to that person that day, you know, that maybe they just needed a little extra something. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm talking a lot, but I just want to, I love that number thing. Um, I, so I used to, I used to make a wish whenever I would see 222. I've seen it ever since I was in high school. Um, and I've always just taken it as like a good luck thing, like, Oh, good luck. But then, you know, getting into this kind of practice, like realizing that, you know, your higher self can speak to you through these numbers. And so I, so, you know, I've learned that. And then I noticed recently, like maybe a few months ago that I was seeing 223 a lot, like just past 222. And I'd always be like, well, that's annoying. And I would see that number a lot. Like I took that to mean that I was wishing for the wrong thing. I would wish for me and my husband to always be as happy as we are now. Um, Cause I love him so much, <laughs> but he, but so I was like, maybe, maybe this is a message. Like I'm not seeing 222 because I'm making the wrong wish when I do see it. So I decided to wish for, you know, my higher, my highest and best self. And guys, I see 222 so often now, like ever since I decided to like, whenever I see that, that's what I'm going to wish for my highest and best, like the best and highest good for my life. And I see it all the time now. And I think combined with like my nightly charging of asking for you know my soul's purpose like to, for me them to show me i think that you know i don't know i feel like i'm on the right path and i like it and the 222 is like such a great reminder that's beautiful does anybody else have a practice they'd like to share yes amy um <laughs> i guess um, I would consider, I don't know, we mentioned simple and um, I heard some talking about the body. There's one like simple practice. I, I, you know, Doug kind of used something like it in um, a closing prayer maybe that we did once, but where you just like simply touch the heart to draw um, attention to the heart. But so like I, I would say, you know, for those of you that were saying like, oh, you know, getting myself into my body, like touch does a lot. I'm, you know, whether it's just like touching yourself, touching your heart, touching um 
I do another uh, different one too. If you're talking about like going to sleep or um, it's just kind of like the tops of your thighs. I mean, and I just kind of like rub and it really gives like a, almost a childlike feel, feeling. Cause you know, this is like a sensitive part of your body that, you know, it's just like so close to you and it's where your hands kind of lay and um, you know, just, almost as a meditation or to like get myself in my body. And I'm like amazed at just how like soothing and sweet it is, you know, um, and how it kind of really drops you into, um, yeah, a place that is, um, meditative or like nostalgic or loving, you know, it's like really easy to find love in the moment, (laughs) um, like that. So that's one that I do. Um, and then another one that's really similar to, I thought really similar to Doug's, maybe not, but, um, like, when I wake up in the morning, um, uh, I sort of just have a practice where it's about, um, and I do also see God as a, not a thou, but like the, the different hierarchies of me. Um, but it's like a, a looking, a looking at each other, you know, it's like almost like just opening my heart to let God take a look. Cause I want to share. It's not like, because God needs to judge and, you know, it's just like, Oh my gosh, like transparency. I want to show you what's in here today, even if it's just like sad and horrible or great, you know, but just like, just, I want to just like, let you look and it's an active kind of like vulnerability and an active like friendship. And it is kind of that committing yourself to it at the same time, you know, it's just like, I, they're all like, here is what I've got in here and here is me. And I, sometimes that kind of turns into like the concept of showing it to everyone or to the whole world, you know, like, um, just, I imagine like trees or, you know, um, yeah, mother archetypes or whatever, you know, anybody that I feel sweetness raw, even, you know, just like, and here is me, you know, um, showing up and, um, just showing you me, um, everything that I've gotten here. So it's just, you know, it actually, um, it feels like a lot and it develops in its own ways, you know, so it feels, but it's simple. (laughs) That's gorgeous. That's just gorgeous. Truly. It feels like that. (laughs) It does feel like participating in beauty. Eric, you you were touched by what Amy just said. I can tell. <laughs> Amy has a lot of insights that I enjoy. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. Thank you. Thank um, you. What I enjoy um, is just I walk for a couple of hours every day, and I've been doing it for a couple of years. And there's a cemetery nearby us. And that's kind of where I am um, there. I really enjoy um, talking to the people <laughs> and wonder what was going on with them back in the day. Um, but the, I think the, the most meaningful thing for me is the, um, the second density with all of the, the animals. And I really um, know them well and i can see the same ones at the same times and bird flocks um and then the trees speak to me at all the time so i just get i i just just walk like that and i just kind of get lost and um that's meditation for me and it's um it's a great uh, it's a great feeling it's also i can think of 
what's going on with me walking through that cemetery and then walking, then what's going on for people walking around the Gaia and what's going on with them. Here I am enjoying this in uh, Evansville, Indiana and who's around the other side of the world and what are they doing? And so I think about that long and sometimes I think I'm connecting with somebody, but that's, that's what it is. So, so that's the main thing, but it's really, really helps a lot for me. Walking meditations are really, really powerful. That's something that Cynthia Bergeau teaches also. And <clears throat> when I had a place to walk every day, it, it was transformative for sure. I do something similar to what you do when you're walking, when you think about other people around the world. When I look at the moon, I have a similar like thought cascade. My brother, the moon. Uh, I, I love that you, Eric, you connect the second density and just to notice God in and as the squirrel and the flock and and whatnot. Like you're you're witnessing God you are God witnessing God and glorying and just the glory of them being themselves. You know, like that right there that's what I mean by you cease to pray and become the prayer. Like that that's it. That's beautiful. Dan. It's great. I've seen it. Um, yeah, thanks. I was trying to, I've done quite a few different ones, but what came to mind from a few things other people said is one that's a little, you mentioned Noah, is there a book? And I, I came across one about a year ago called The Presence Process by a uh, writer named Michael Brown. Um, Leon mentioned, you know, anger coming up in dance and Amy was saying, I just open up to everything that's inside of me. And Gwen was talking about um, mind and heart and transformation. And this book was interesting. I've done, as Troy knows, a lot of, lot of therapy through the years, <laughs> a lot of work. Um, I, I'm a four and I seem to go pretty deep in heart stuff. But anyway, the way this book went was... Um, <clears throat> You spent 15 morning, minutes in the morning and 15 in the evening, and you would you would breathe and say, I am here now in this. And so you do I in your in-breath am. And you would try and achieve that kind of state. You were talking about, Doug, where uh, you really just didn't. The idea was your mind's going to wander, but to come back to that. And then this man had gone through... I think a, a, a severe nervous breakdown, panic attacks, and this, he kind of found his own way uh, through his life to this process. But he said, um, he talked about that we primarily have a lot of things that happen from two or three months in, in uterine to like year two in life where we don't yet have a language to have the memory uh, there to talk about and that so many things are formed that are kind of um, habits, uh, emotional, almost addictions types of things. And that by the time we reach age seven, we don't grow a lot past that. And these things are kind of hindrances to unity and to, you know, to, to, to the, the places of love that we want to be. So he, he, once you got that practice down, you would read a chapter, one chapter a week for 10 weeks. And he kind of had a little saying that, that 
that said, well, you're going to have setups for upsets. And I kind of call them triggers. But then he would say, when you realize your triggers, try and move from being reactive to making a response. And boy, did it just open up just an onslaught of things that just would go on. And um, and and so the, the idea was to, to kind of, I think, well, what Amy was saying, you know, you just let it go totally to a feeling level of heart beyond mind instead of trying to talk yourself out of it or um, explain it or anything. And that you wouldn't even really have to make a connection back with a memory, but if you stayed with the feeling, it would integrate for you. And he kind of got away from the idea of healing to, in, to integration, uh, that everything kind of has feelings, experiences tend to fragment us and those movements, higher movements into to, to unity can only happen well, like when use the word transformation, I think when those things kind of integrate and transform in to us so that we're coming in these relationships as a whole. And so um, that was a pretty powerful thing for me. It took uh, well the 10 weeks, plus it took me quite a few weeks to read it. And um, uh, my partner Adi did it with me too, and so she was having these triggers come up. Our relationship became a real, a real place of working through things. But yeah, it it was different than the thing that what I'd been doing for a long time. More of um, kind of dealing more with with with. with well, I wouldn't say just positive things because I don't think these are negative things, but I mean, they were hard, but it was kind of a different practice for a while. <laughs> it still goes on, but <laughs> yeah. That's a super interesting practice. Oh, he's kind of ties everything in that we were talking about tonight too. You yeah. know, if you may, you, I have a couple of thoughts that came up for the group, really. I wonder if we're talking about all these little habits. It seems like this conversation a little bit has been around these little habits that we have. I wonder if like we could help remind each other about those or in some way, like, would that be helpful to y'all or do you have your own reminders or is hearing it from another person like, hey, I did this thing today or I could post, you know, I could make a pretty Canva and post it with what some of these awesome things that we do and post it every week or something. Would that be helpful? I wonder, I love that idea to, to compile everything that we've collected today. And also if people think of stuff, maybe people who couldn't be here tonight, or I, mean, I don't know if a channel would be appropriate, but a place that people could add to it, or maybe people here follow some other ones where we're you know, almost run out of time where we could kind of build a, a base of a, a database of mm-hmm. all these practices. Maybe that's different than what you were saying. No, that's what I was saying. That's it. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then because like I, you're, there's all of these awesome things and I want to do all of them because I sense how important they all are and they all tie into different things, but they're going to look different for me, but I'm scared I'm going to forget after I, anyway, I'm rambling. Um, a little uh, reflection on, on dance. I'm not sure. I think this is a bit of an offshoot, but very similar. Like sometimes when I notice myself getting triggered, I try to 
first of all, not physically retreat. Like, okay, can I stay in this? And then can I stay in my body? Can I breathe and stay in my body and stay present with what's going on right here? Feel the discomfort, be curious about the, tr the whole thing, but stay in it and, and in my body, which sometimes when I get triggered, it, I didn't know it was associated with a nine. I'm a nine too. Maybe that's part of what comes with that. Yeah, I, I like that, Leon, because I think you kind of move into a bit of an observer role, you know, almost um, where you want to, to, to learn and integrate from it instead of just being lost totally. I mean, I, I was not, I was so cut off from my feelings when I was young, when I gave myself permission to feel, I think, um, I used to say, don't talk about your feelings, let your feelings talk. Well, I think when I got deeper into some of this work, some of it was just too reactive for me and maybe the person it was going on with. And I thought, you know, I, I don't think somehow I, I don't want to damage, you know, myself or them and so by doing what you said just kind of moving into an observer role really helped a lot like well this is really curious what's going on for me right now and what am i what's what am i really feeling you know um to kind of know that if i'm angry i i think anger kind of masks fear and fear is usually of being hurt so if i can get down to the hurt um that's kind of where i think i need the integration that that works pretty good for me too you mentioned the word curious, and I want to say that there's, uh, I, I believe there's some psycho psychological literature now that is looking at just that word and how there are neuro neurological changes in the brain that when we can bring curiosity to someone else with whom we might be disagreeing pretty strongly or that are triggering um, instead of moving into that reactivity to have a response, but the response is going to, the, the thing that's right before the response would be, I'm curious about where they're coming from. I'm curious why they would feel that way. Or I'm curious about what's going on inside me. So that word curiosity seems to start opening up these different pathways that get us into that witnessing presence. So you said curious, and I wanted to say, yes, the psychological literature is actually supporting that, too. Curiosity. Mm 